Hey everyone, welcome to the Travel Lounge podcast. This is episode two with myself, Ed Finn. And myself, Sarah Slattery. The Travel Lounge is an uplifting, positive platform where we celebrate all things travel and fun. We will be coming to you every two weeks to discuss various travel topics and to open up the Travel Lounge to answer all of your questions, which you can send to us at info at So this week, Sarah, there was a few little green shoots um, in the whole travel uh, arena um, I saw there that Austria are opening up their hotels, including hotels with swimming pools, by the way, from the 29th of May, um, which was interesting. And I saw Ursula von der Leyen, the European commissioner, the chief European commissioner, saying that a lot of countries are looking at what they're calling smart solutions or COVID-19 passports where they're going to try and open tourist corridors, Sarah. I don't know how relevant or how actual whether that's actually going to be realistic or not, but interesting. And also, Sarah, Visit Portugal had something interesting. That's right, Ed. And I saw you wrote a good article there on Travel Times about Portugal's new clean and safe um, campaign. That sounded interesting. Yeah, I wrote a little piece there. You know, I'm a mad Eurovision fan, right? So I wrote a piece called Portugal Douze Pois. (laughs) So I was giving them top marks. Yeah, they came out with the great... Um, initiative there where basically they're asking companies tourism enterprises you know travel agencies etc they're having they're starting this kind of an official registration where you can receive a certificate as a clean and safe establishment um, in terms of uh, COVID-19 so you'll get this kind of clean and safe stamp um, and then your premises would be physically uh, checked out. If it's a digital platform, they've got these criteria they're putting in place. But what it's nice, what's nice about it, Sarah, I think, is that it just shows um, a really good initiative. You know, with in terms of trying to uh, reassure people that where these places that are going to get this clean and safe stamp will um, not be places where there'll be the virus will be spreading, or you know that it'll bring confidence back to people who are visiting the country again. Yeah, I ha- I have to say, I think, think it's a great idea. And I think uh, the more green shoots you start to see, the more, I suppose, positive you get on a bit. Like, I maybe that we will travel differently, but we all know, I suppose, we're going to travel differently. But, and you know, maybe we'll all have these COVID passports to say we're COVID free, or maybe we'll take temperatures at the airport. But it looks like, you know, we will be back traveling again albeit in a different way uh, you know I, I was talking to somebody the other day about how when we used to have to put well we still do put the 100 mil our, our liquids in, in 100 mil bottles and put them in plastic bags and how ridiculous it seemed at the time and here we are how many years later 10 years later we're still doing it and you just get used to these kind of silly little things and you think you know maybe we'll just get used to traveling differently and if it means having our cocktail on the beach we'll do it and um, yeah but i do think it, there's a lot of positivity a bit more positive this week uh, so yeah. 
No, absolutely. I, yeah, maybe we'll be wearing those. Do you remember those Macs that you used to be able to get in Duns for a few quid and you wore them in the rain, the plastic ones? <laughs> we'll be, we'll yeah. be all wearing those on the plane or something, you know. But, and hide all yeah. our luggage underneath. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, Sarah, a real coup this week for the Travel Lounge. You have um, lined up a fantastic guest for us this week, a, a lady who really knows her stuff, um, Sarah Fisher from the Commission of Aviation. I'm really excited. Sarah about this interview yeah I mean I I, I I just we were talking earlier um about all the different um conflicting stories that's in the media this week I think this is Ryanair's fifth or fourth or fifth U-turn um and every other day there seems to be a new policy on refunds and vouchers and today's latest one is with from Ryanair is that Yes, they they will they'll give you the voucher, and if you don't use the voucher, you'll get a re, you can get a refund in a year's time. Whereas two days ago, Kenny Jacobs was reported saying you can get your refund in three months' time. So it's just so confusing. Like if it's if it's confusing for us, and we're we're looking at it every day, and we're in the business. I mean, it must be so confusing for the consumer. So I think what's great about having Sarah Fisher on is is um, for for anyone listening out there, Sarah is the Air Passenger Rights Manager with the Commission for Aviation Regulation. So she like knows everything that you need to know about your your pass air passenger rights and she will tell you exactly where you stand and what to do with regard to refunds and vouchers and she's got some really really interesting um things to talk about that I, I i think i mean i found extremely interesting i can only imagine the benefits it will be for the consumer as well well sarah listen with all the different emails on cancellations vouchers refunds etc i'm really looking forward to this straight talking guest that you've lined up for us next so we're going to take a break guys and we're going to be back with sarah fisher from the commission of aviation regulation so welcome back everyone we're delighted to have sarah fisher with us today sarah is the air passenger rights manager for the Commission of Aviation Regulation in Ireland. So if there is anything you need to know about airline rights, refunds, vouchers, Sarah is the girl. Uh, I'm delighted, Sarah. Thanks so much for um, agreeing to come on because myself and Ed have had so many questions um, and we like to think we know the answers, but um, clearly we, we don't know everything. And um, we're delighted to obviously have an expert such as yourself explain to um, the consumers out there exactly what their rights are and um, what they need to do if they're not having um, luck with their travel agent airline, etc. So um, I thought you might just start by just kind of briefly um, explaining the role of, because we know the Commission of Aviation Regulation as known as CAR for years, and we know, but I don't think a lot of the consumers maybe know exactly what you do. So maybe if you just briefly explain that and um, just about, um, you know, the air passenger rights and what exactly what it covers, if you, if you, if you don't mind. Okay, uh, thank you. The Commission for Aviation Regulation is effectively Ireland's civil aviation authority. It actually has most of the functions that would normally sit within a CAA. Um, we, among other things, regulate Dublin Airport, um, economic regulation of Dublin Airport. We license and um, bond travel agents and tour operators. We also license ground handling firms and airlines that are registered in Ireland. And we have various other functions that sit within 
the uh, commission, but my particular function is air passenger rights manager. And under air passenger rights, that's really our customer focused side of the house. We administer two regulations. So we're responsible for enforcing EC261 of 2004, which relates to cancellations, delays and denied boarding, which is the one that's really in people's heads at the moment. But we also regulate another regulation, 1107 of 2006, which relates to the rights of persons with reduced mobility when traveling by air. So people who are elderly have a a disability of some kind or just require assistance. Um, So those are our two main consumer regulations. Um, That was very interesting, Sarah. I mean, I suppose when the EU directives um, were put in place, I suppose nobody could have envisaged something like COVID-19. I suppose it's pretty unprecedented. Now, a lot of the airlines are kind of saying that, and I suppose they're flouting the regulation at the moment in that there's so much confusion out there. One airline is issuing vouchers for 12 months. Another airline is issuing vouchers for five years and all different sort of refunds being issued and then saying, oh, no, we're not issuing refunds and not until this is all over. I mean, I'm a travel expert, Sarah, and I'm completely confused by the whole thing. Um, But it's very comforting. So you're basically the you know, they seem to have taken the law into their own hands, a lot of the airlines. All of the airlines are doing what they can to try and protect their cash flow. Um, Some airlines were a lot quicker off the mark to stop issuing refunds, Um, not necessarily Irish airlines, but the, the regulation stands as things are. And this was clarified shortly after all of this broke. The European Commission came out and they said, no, at that time, they said, no, there will be no variation of this regulation. So the airlines are aware of that and they know that that was the position that the Commission took. I think it was about six weeks ago, Um, which means that the regulation stands and it means that passengers rights are as they are currently written in the regulation And it is the job of national enforcement bodies such as ourselves to enforce those rights. Um, Yes. But they also know that enforcing those rights takes time and that for a passenger to get us to enforce their rights, the passenger has to give the airline a reasonable period of time to respond and issue the refund, which is generally considered to be six weeks, and then can make a complaint to us. And that that then takes time as well. So by by forcing passengers to come to us to enforce our rights, they're slowing it. And I think that is the goal. It's understandable in a way, but it is very frustrating for passengers. And it's frustrating for us because these airlines do know what their responsibilities are yeah no i i i totally accept that um another thing that i'm getting a lot of um in emails sarah is from people who have booked packages through tour operators travel agents and then something that a lot of people wouldn't know that and when they go to the airline the airline is telling them oh no you don't we can't do anything you have to contact the tour operator and the travel agent that to me does not seem to be what the law it is it, 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 could you just clarify that is it's between the passenger and the airline isn't it yes regulation 261 makes no mention of travel agents tour operators or any other entity and it doesn't 
it does not hinge on whether the passenger purchased the flights from the airline directly. And what it says is if an airline has deviated from the terms of the contract the passenger had with the airline, regardless of how they entered that. So in this case, the travel mm-hmm. agent's effectively a broker for the flight. The flight contract is between the passenger and the airline. The airline has cancelled that flight. The passenger must seek their rights under 261 from the airline directly um, because that's what the regulation says. And the airline should issue the refund directly to the passenger. And that, that, that is how the regulation is framed. It doesn't allow for third-party involvement. In fact, a travel agent would have no right to make a claim under EC261 because they are not the passenger. And the way the regulation is worded, it is only the passenger who can seek their rights and they must do so from the airline. And Sarah, I think there's a lot of people who are going to find that really interesting. Um, but I'm just thinking from back to when I was a travel agent. And like if, if I booked a flight on a client's behalf and I've used the company, my travel agent company credit card, like how how does and what happens then if the customer gets refunded? Do you know, how does that work? Like, I, I, I can understand that a, um, a consumer will go straight to an airline if the travel agent have used their credit card. But if, if, if it's a travel in, a agency credit card and, and travel agency email address, then how does the airline refund the consumer? Because the passenger goes to the airline and says, I am passenger X. This is my booking confirmation. I was due to travel with you on this date and you have cancelled my flight. And it's for the the airline then to say, yes, you're entitled to a refund. Please give us bank account details or whatever it needs to be in order for us to refund that. So it doesn't have to be refunded to the same card or any of that. that, that. I'm I'm getting a lot of these questions, particularly, I mean, in fairness, most of the Irish travel agents I find have been very cooperative, but I I have got a lot of messages out. I don't know if you're the same about like UK owned travel agencies. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely, Sarah. uh, Back to people. Um, And I assume the law But a lot of airlines like to refund to the original payment method because it's easy and easier for them. It's less administration. However, the burden of proof will then fall on them to prove that they refunded the passenger and refunding that money to the travel agent that the passenger can't get in touch with doesn't fulfill that requirement. So again, it would end up being an enforcement matter for us. But if an airline can't prove that they refunded the passenger on foot of a request from the passenger for a refund, we would then have to assess that as a complaint. And Sarah, does it matter if the agency is, or the um, agency is licensed in the UK, like Love Holidays, for instance, or like you'll still take up the... um, you will still take up that on the consumer's behalf, will you? Well, it's the airline and it's where the way the regulation works is if the flight was due to depart from an airport located in the Republic of Ireland or was coming into Ireland from a third country, so for example, the United States on a European carrier, then the regulation 
applies and we're the enforcement body. If it was any other EU airport, it would be one of our colleagues elsewhere in Europe who would be responsible for dealing with it. The travel agent, the means of purchasing the ticket is immaterial. It is the passenger and the airline that they were booked to travel with. And that's it. So it's it's the airline that uh, that formed the contract to provide the travel accommodation, to provide the flights. And, and what proof do you need then for to take up this complaint on a consumer's behalf? What do you need proof that the the airline or that or that or whoever they booked with isn't responding to them? Do you need something in writing or what, what do you need? Yes. So from a passenger, we would need them to provide us with their original booking confirmation that shows the, what they booked, what they paid for, that they were the passengers, the names of the passengers, and how much was paid. So we would need that first because that proves that they had a confirmed reservation on a particular flight we would prefer if they can provide us with a cancellation notice, but that's not always possible. We can check and, and ensure whether the flight was cancelled or not. But they then must show us that they have contacted the airline by a written means because verbal contact they can't provide evidence of. So that's using the complaint form on the airline's website or by email to the, the customer care of that airline and that they have either given the airline six weeks to respond or been given an unsatisfactory response within that time frame. So anyone who has made a written complaint who is contacting us now saying that they have been told they won't get a refund, that they can get a voucher that they can use at some later point when they want a cash refund we're advising them to submit a complaint using our complaint form on flightrights.ie now, even though they haven't waited six weeks. Okay, Sarah, I, a very just one question on that. If I have booked a package with a travel agent or a tour operator, we'll say it was for €3,000 and it included my flights and my accommodation. Um, so I don't know what the that what the actual amount for the airline tickets was sarah is that still okay that would be mm. that would be definitely one to go back to the travel agency on the flights you could pursue through the airline but you can't you can't seek a refund for any of the other elements of the package um and that is a difficulty um but the airline should still be aware that that person was a passenger We'll just have to look at those when we get them. Um, yeah, I mean, you don't need the travel agent. I mean, do I need to get, I was just saying, like, you know, do I need to get a note from the travel agent saying how much I need a confirmation of what the flights were exactly? That's what I'm just kind of like, because I know that a lot of people would have booked packages. Yeah, we can look at that when we when we start seeing those complaints. The key thing is that they can provide us with copies of their reservation, evidence of their reservation. Um, and that will be the, the most important thing for us to look at when it comes to that. In terms of other claims, um, Sarah, like of this nature, what in terms, I noticed again, quite an unprecedented situation we're in. I mean, in terms of time frame, I suppose it would be quite, you'd be looking at quite a number of months for enforcement on these, would you? We're already processing some of the complaints we've received and we are getting responses 
quite quickly, actually, from some of the airlines. Um, but yes, it is going to take time and it's not going to be resolved quickly. Normally, our target would be to resolve 80% of all cases within three months. Um, I don't think we're going to be able to do that for a number of reasons. We're receiving an unprecedentedly high number of complaints, um, but also because we expect that airlines will fight on, on this one. Um, and so it's it's going to take time. It won't be speedily resolved, I would imagine. Yeah, and I suppose, Sarah, in the event of airlines, hopefully not, this won't be the case, but in the event of some maybe smaller airlines that don't survive this or maybe they 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 cease trading or go wallop or whatever, I suppose there's no recourse back then, really, unless you were booked a package through your insurance and a bonded and licensed issues. But if the airline itself ceases to trade, then I guess this will just, the EU 261 won't apply then. Yes, we can't we mm-hmm. can't enforce someone's rights against an entity that no longer exists. And that's another of the reasons why the vouchers are not necessarily an option that is being supported by the European Commission among others because they see the risk that passengers who have been issued a voucher may not be able to use those at some later point if something happens to that airline. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, with the the latest um, statement that came out there, I saw, Sarah, from the EU, where 12 member states were asking for the, um, the, the, the legislation to be changed to, um, to incorporate vouchers. Or what what is your feeling on that, or what do you? I mean, it's obviously some of them are, are against it, but so we don't know what's going to happen there. What's your feeling on that? Oh well, I'm. It's not our position <laughs> yeah. to to have a feeling on that. Unfortunately. No feelings. I, I I might have personal views, but as far as my my real hmm. job goes, um, my job is just to enforce the regulation and. If we're instructed either by the European Commission or by the government through um, a legal framework to do our current job differently, then we will do that. But until that time, the regulation as it is stands and we will enforce the regulation as it is currently written, which means that we will be seeking cash refunds for passengers who want a cash refund. Yeah, of course. And I mean, with EU law and the way things take, I mean, I know France and the Netherlands are spearheading the push for this um, and a number of other countries as well. But I suppose by the time it would be enforced, I mean, it could hardly be retrospective anyway, would it? I mean, it couldn't be backdated, I would presume. I actually cannot comment on that. Um, it, it would be it's it's impossible to say how it could be framed. It it could be um, our regulation changes. People don't know this, but how the regulation is implemented changes on a regular basis on foot of European Court of Justice rulings, and at times those have have reversed how a certain part of the regulation would have been applied. Uh, for example, the regulation as it's written, 
contained no provision for refund or for compensation for passengers who suffered a delay. And a European Court of Justice ruling introduced compensation for long delays. Um, uh, but there, it, that's not in the regulation, but it, the law at a European level determined it should be paid. And therefore we had to turn around and people who were on a flight that yesterday we were telling people on that flight they were not entitled to compensation, new complaints on the same flight were entitled to compensation. It has happened before and it can happen quickly. It depends on, um, it depends on how the change is brought about. Um, it would have to be through a legal means, though, similar to the European Court of Justice. At, mm. at an Irish level, it would have to be an SI issued. At Europe level, it would be something officially amended. Yeah, of course, of course. I mean, very technical. I mean, the EU Transport Commissioner, um, Adina Vallian, I mean, she thought that such a move was a bad idea. Um, so, I mean, there's a there's mm. lot. So, it doesn't seem to me that there's any um, that 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 there's any real um, you know, uniform support behind this anyway. So, I, I, I personally, I don't see that this is going to happen. Even even if they wanted to, there just seems to be a lot of of, of the member states that are actually against it. And um, and the minister for transport there, she's actually not in favour of it. My, my understanding, I think, is that that there's two different approaches. That there's the there's the airline issue. Um, with regard to vouchers and then there's also the travel industry there's smaller travel companies who are offering vouchers I think there's uh, and there's also the issue that like the travel agents are bonded so if they were to issue a sort of a credit note or something there's a possibility that that would be covered on, under the bond I think that's what the travel agents are trying to to um, get implemented so I think there'd be two sort of separate issues because obviously if you're booked with a travel agent you know your money is secure if something happens so I think there may be a possibility that that could be covered. Um, now, obviously, I don't know. But um, whereas the airline situation, how can you can you you know cover that um, that amount of money on it on it for airlines that are that are not bonded? Uh, so there, there, I think there's two different sides and there's two different approaches that uh, the minister is there's different lobbying going on. So it's quite possible that we might have it. Uh, vouchers accepted on one side and not accepted on the other side. I, I don't know, but um, Sarah, would you think that that could possibly happen? I honestly couldn't say. I know that the Commission, the European Commission, has always taken a pro-consumer stance and that any of the decisions that they make with regard to travel have always been in trying to provide what's best for the consumer, for the passenger, yeah. for the the traveling person, rather than giving in to mm -hmm. lobbying from the travel industry. Um, but that doesn't mean that in an unprecedented situation like this, they're going to not do something different we don't know it it is very yeah. simply that we don't know we're waiting and watching along with everybody else yeah. but for us at the moment it's business as usual passengers are entitled to a refund airlines should be giving them the refund if airlines aren't giving them the refund 
we're dealing with the complaints and we will be requesting the refunds on behalf of those passengers. And we'll talk internally about what would be a reasonable time frame um, because traditionally we would have already said, always said within eight weeks of us requesting it um, at the max. So they would be asked to pay it if they mm-hmm. don't pay it, then they would get a, a period of time to um, they'd get a reminder, and then we would issue a direction. And at that point, they've got two weeks, or it's down a legal route, um, and we would take them to court for failing to comply with the direction. But um, well, yeah. in this situation, we may give a little more leeway. I'm not sure. I need to talk to to our commissioner and see what her view is. Well, when you look at the balance sheets, I guess, of many of the airlines and the, these companies, I suppose they clearly don't have the ability at the moment to refund millions of Europeans. I think that's probably what I was reading there on Euronews as well. And then, of course, Monica Goyens, who's the director of the European Consight, Consumer Rights Organization, she's saying as well, why should um, travellers be the ones to bail out the airline industry? So you've got that dichotomy going on there in Europe, of course, as well. Indeed. And it it's always, it's always going to be an issue. Um, some airlines are better able to pay these refunds than others. For some airlines, it would cause real hardship. Um, but, the you know, at the same time, there are passengers who have paid for flights that were cancelled by the airlines that they could not avail of. And the, the airline has their money. Yeah, of course. So it, it's a difficult yeah. situation. It, Issuing the vouchers doesn't necessarily resolve it either. It kicks the refunds down the road. At some point, the airlines will still have to either provide flights or provide a refund um, to those passengers if if the voucher idea is accepted. And the risk for passengers there is that the airline could still fail and if the airline fails between now and the passenger getting to use the voucher or the passenger getting to cash in the voucher, then they still have nothing. Yeah, of course. Um, Sarah, and we've had a lot of incidents of people trying to do chargebacks and contacting their banks saying they haven't been issued with the service. And then, but of course, why that kick down the line mm. um, policy of you know oh, a refund at some stage in the future the banks are using that of course to get out of that one as well so they're they're caught there also my understanding is that some of the card issuers have a specific provision in their chargeback rules which says that if you're entitled to claim under for example a travel agent's bond or if you're entitled to claim under a regulation like EC261, you're not entitled to a chargeback unless you can prove you were refused a um, that you aren't eligible for a claim under those. Um, so yeah, I mean the the card issuers have them yeah, as yeah, well no, covered because a lot of people were when it comes to things like that. Arguably, to make sure that passengers don't claim under a bond or you know, get us to to get them a refund from the airline and also 
get a charge back from their card provider. Um, that's the the justification for that clause or for that policy. I guess um, what's really going to happen, um, Sarah, here is that I suppose governments, um, you know, we had Airbus talking there during the week about that they're in they're on their knees at the moment as well. I suppose governments really are going to have to make a decision if they just, if they're like Air France KLM have been bailed out with eleven billion there. You know that you know they're going to have to decide that they're going to have to support the airline industry, and that in the at the end of the day, it's all going to trickle down to the consumer anywhere, supposed to the taxpayer. But I think that's a big. That's really what Europe are probably in heated discussion about at the moment. Possibly, but you're getting into politics there, and uh, that's that's yes. not not an area that we operate in. We we don't have an influence on that. Um, our job is merely to to enforce the regulations that we're instructed well, to enforce by the Irish government, and to do them, mm-hmm. you know, to enforce them in the manner in which they're written or as instructed. Um, so, well, it's great, Sarah, to, to, that you're not like, you know, you're given the you're you seem to be inviting people to almost, you know, it's great to see that you're not, you know, so many people at the moment in the travel industry, like. They're saying, look, you know, it's unprecedented and you're not going to get it or, you know, it's great to see you being so positive about it and to to be enforcing things in the right way. Because I think an awful lot of people, including myself, for the last couple of weeks have more or less said, look, take the voucher or wait for a refund for six months or like. And that's even been my um, opinion on it. And I suppose I was also trying to. To, to save the travel industry too. I'm, I'm a bit of a, um, uh, trying to do a bit of that too. But I just think it's good to see you're not shying away from from doing what you're supposed to do. In fact, if anything, it's, it's nearly the opposite. You're, you're almost inviting people to come to you if they're not having. Um, well, I'd be right in saying that. Oh, we are inviting people to because that's our job. Yeah. Um, it is our job to enforce this. And if it's not being adhered to by the airlines, then the passengers need to submit their complaints to us and then we can take it from there. It's also important to note that we can only act, our enforcement powers are based on individual passenger complaints. So we can't take sweeping enforcement action on foot of one complaint or even 20 complaints or 100 complaints we can act on each individual complaint. Um, And if we don't get the individual complaints, we can't act. But the more individual complaints we can act on, the more we can enforce the message with the airlines and the more progress we can make. Um, So it's, it's interesting because we're under fire a lot at the moment. A lot of people are asking us why we're not doing something about this. Uh, we are, but we can't do something on a broad scale. We can't come out and say that a particular airline isn't doing what they should be doing because we don't have those powers. But what we do have those the powers to do is say, if an airline has told you anything that is other than that you are entitled to a refund, and if they're not giving you that refund or they're telling you you're going to have to wait an unreasonable period of time, or they're telling you you're going to get a voucher and maybe a refund at some future point, then they're not adhering to the regulation and you should submit your complaint to us so that we can 
investigate it and initiate it with the airline and progress it through the, the steps that we have to follow because we have to make sure that every investigation we carry out can be subjected to judicial review and will pass the judge's approval. Um, and that's important from our point of view, which is why the passenger needs to be able to provide us evidence that they've contacted the airline and it needs to be written evidence. So anybody who's just trying to phone the airlines, don't send them an email or send, use their contact us form, keep copies, keep screenshots, keep the evidence that you have done that, that you have contacted them. Um, and then any responses that they come back with, keep those too. And those will form the, the basis of the complaint that we will then take care of on your behalf. And Sarah, just to, to, to point out, it's flightrights.ie that they go on to and they submit their complaint. There's a forum on that website. Is that where they go to? Or Yes, okay. flightrights.ie. For these complaints, the it's the complaint form for cancellations, delays and denied boarding. We have two complaint forms. We've seen some people, for some reason, completing the other form, which is the one for persons of reduced mobility who haven't received assistance. Um, that's not the correct form. The form to complete for these is obviously the cancellations, delays and denied okay. boarding form. Um, again, that's if the flight was departing from Ireland or was coming in from, say, the US on a European carrier. If your flight was departing, the cancelled flight was departing from another EU country or entering another EU country, then you need to go to that national enforcement body. But there's a full list of all the national enforcement bodies on our website all of the information as to how the regulation works is also there. So flightrights.ie is really the first point of contact and read the information on how to make a complaint. That's that's absolutely fantastic, Sarah. Just one one last question I had for you. Um, I suppose in, no, in the normal uh, course of events pre-COVID-19, if an airline was in contravention of EU 261 and there was, I suppose, enough complaints received, what would have been the normal or what? It probably is still the same. Or what is the sort of penalty? Or I mean, do they lose their license or what's the actual worst case scenario if there's a lot of complaints? There's nothing. The regulation is, is mere, it very simply is an individual passenger, an airline. If that individual passenger doesn't get what they're entitled to, having complained to the airline, then they can ask for the assistance of the national enforcement body, the relevant national enforcement body. That enforcement body then acts on behalf of that individual passenger. Um, where we see, if we identify a pattern of infringement, mm -hmm. in under Irish law, we can issue a direction to the airline saying you in this particular instance in in relation to this particular flight we believe you failed to comply with the regulation in the following respects it's very rarely that we would do that because very rarely would we have a sufficient evidence of a pattern mm -hmm. um but where that is issued um it's really a cease and desist so what we're saying to them is You've been doing this. You should have been doing that. Stop doing this. Do that. 
now. Oh. And if they don't, then we can take them to court for failing to comply with the terms of direction. But that would be, um, it would be rarely that we would have to do that. Normally, on foot of investigating complaints, the, air, the situation will be resolved. Um, so it usually happens that when we get involved in the complaint, the, the issue ceases after a period of time. Okay, very, very, very interesting. Well, Sarah, that was fantastic. Thank you so much. I think um, an awful lot of listeners are going to um, take a lot of uh, solace from things you've just said. And um, even us, Ed, I'm sure you're, you agree. You know, we thought we knew it all. <laughs> yeah, no, fant- fa- fantastic. Really it, is, it is so, and it is, it's lovely to, um, because there's so much, I won't use the word waffle out there, but it's lovely to get something explained, um, you know, succinctly as it is, and uh, to, to have the, the actual regulation and the law as it still applies. It's lovely to hear that as of, as of, of today, and it's, it's very refreshing. Um, and I think a lot of the listeners will be will be delighted to hear that. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you, Sarah, so much for coming on. I'm sure you must be yeah. a very busy lady. Yes, <laughs> that, that's normal. Um, we're we're always busy. Um, we there's always a, a stream of complaints coming in. We're busier than we have been for quite some time. I think I think the last time we were this busy, there was a volcano erupting. Um, and actually, I think we're possibly busier than even then. But um, yeah, it, it uh, interesting times. We just do our job. That's it. Well, that's yeah. that's we'll, very interesting. We'll work through them. Just on a lighter note, that volcano, the the ash cloud. I was booked on the um, the flight, the the Lufthansa flight, which was um, the last flight that left Dublin Airport that morning, and I had rebooked myself onto the lunchtime flight, which didn't go. So I remember very fully. I was very lucky that I wasn't stranded for two months in Europe that time. So I remember as well. Anyway, yeah. Sarah, thank, thank you so much for um, yeah, thank you. for taking the time. It's been a, it's been a great pleasure to talk to you, yeah. and we really appreciate you coming on to the Travel Lounge and sharing all this really great information with the listeners. No problem at all. Thank you. So thank you for listening to the Travel Lounge podcast with myself, Ed Finn. And myself, Sarah Slattery. Edited and produced by our award-nominated producer, Martin Flannery. You can follow myself, Ed, at Ed Finn Travel and Sarah on at Travel Expert underscore IE on Twitter. And you can contact us with all your travel questions or just a little story or something exciting that happened to you at info at the Travel Lounge. We will continue to keep you updated with all the latest travel industry news, so please subscribe so you don't miss an episode. The Travel Lounge podcast is available on all podcast platforms, and if you want to leave a nice review, that would be good too. So until next time, bye for now. Bye for now. Bye for now.